unfolding misery of the picture. An expression of the profoundest disgust gleamed for a moment in the young man's refined face. He was, by the way, exceptionally handsome, above the average in height, slim, well-built, with beautiful dark eyes and dark brown hair. Soon he sank into deep thought, or more acutely, speaking into a complete blankness of mind. He walked along, not observing what was about him, and not caring to observe it. From time to time he would mutter something, from the habit of talking to himself, to which he had just confessed. At these moments he would become conscious that his ideas were sometimes in a tangle, and that he was very weak. For two days he had scarcely tasted food. He was so badly dressed that even a man accustomed to shabbiness would have been ashamed to be seen in the street in such rags. In that quarter of the town, however, scarcely any shortcoming in dress would have created surprise. Owing to the proximity of the Haymarket, the number of establishments of bad character, the preponderance of the trading and working-class population crowded in these streets and alleys in the heart of Petersburg. Types so various were to be seen in the streets that no figure, however queer, would have caused surprise. But there was such accumulated bitterness and contempt in the young man's heart that in spite of all the fastidiousness of youth he minded his rags, least of all in the street. It was a different matter when he met with acquaintances, or with former fellow-students, whom, indeed, he disliked meeting at any time. And yet, when a drunken man who, for some unknown reason, was being taken somewhere in a huge wagon, dragged by a heavy dray-horse, suddenly shouted at him as he drove past, "'Hey, dear German hatter!' bawling at the top of his voice, and pointing at him. The young man stopped suddenly, and clutched tremulously at his hat. It was a tall, round hat from Zimmerman's, but completely worn out, rusty with age, all torn and bespattered, brimless and bent on one side, in a most unseemly fashion. Not shame, however, but quite another feeling akin to terror had overtaken him. "'I knew it,' he muttered in confusion. "'I thought so. And that's the worst of all.' Why, a stupid thing like this, the most trivial detail, might spoil the whole plan. Yes, my hat is too noticeable. It looks absurd, and it makes it noticeable. With my rags, I ought to wear a cap, any sort of old pancake, but not this grotesque thing. Nobody wears such a hat. It would be noticed a mile off. It would be remembered. What matters is that people would remember it and that would give them a clue. For this business, one should be as little conspicuous as possible. Trifles, trifles are what matter. Why, it's just such trifles that always ruin everything. He had not far to go. He knew indeed how many steps it was from the gate of his lodging-house. Exactly seven hundred and thirty. He had counted them once when he had been lost in dreams. At the time, he had put no faith in those dreams, and was only tantalizing himself 
by their hideous but daring recklessness. Now, a month later, he had begun to look upon his own impotence and indecision. He had involuntarily come to regard this hideous dream as an exploit to be attempted, although he still did not realize this himself. He was positively going now for a rehearsal of his project, and at every step his excitement grew more and more violent. With a sinking heart and a nervous tremor, he went up to a huge house, which on one side looked on to the canal, and the other into the street. This house was let out in tiny tenements, and was inhabited by working people of all kinds. Tailors, locksmiths, cooks, Germans of sorts, girls picking up a living as best they could, petty clerks, etc.